0: Thank you again for joining us. Remember we're on just a a little break from our study on the mysteries of God. We've been studying 11 mysteries of God that show the plan of God for the ages. And among the things that we've been studying is the idea that one of the great mysteries is he would show how the church is translated from earth to heaven. How we meet him in the clouds. How we go to be with him as the bride of Christ. And so as a result of that we come to two very important chapters in terms of looking for the Lord's return they're in Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5 and last week we began by looking at the hope of the believer as believers knowing that your sins are forgiven knowing that you're that you you've been welcomed by God into the family of God knowing that you're ready for the the rapture of the church we have great hope and it should also give us comfort and this week we particularly want to look at the idea of the comfort that God gives to us knowing events that are coming and remember Our lesson last week in chapter 4, it actually ended with this, Wherefore, comfort, encourage one another with these words. So, among the things we saw was that every writer of the New Testament epistles wrote of the Lord's return. It wasn't just the Apostle Paul, but Paul certainly did it in Philippians. He did it in Titus. Whoever wrote Hebrews, they talked about the Lord will come the second time. James wrote about it. Jude wrote about it. John wrote about it many, many times. You see, it's not a, a single subject that's covered any more in the New Testament than what we have concerning the hope and the comfort that we have knowing that Christ will come. And then we also saw last week that as we looked at Thessalonians chapters one through five, in that first epistle, we saw that, that there was so much excitement about this. Paul was only there less than a month, but among the subjects he thoroughly taught on was the coming of Christ for the church We saw that in every chapter, in Thessalonians chapter 1, he spoke concerning the coming of Christ for believers. And we spent a lot of time in chapter 4, the hope, the comfort of the coming of Christ, that the Lord himself would come. But not only is that a major subject in 1 Thessalonians, but it's also a major subject in 2 Thessalonians. Do you realize every chapter in 1 Thessalonians has the Lord's coming? And every chapter, only three, every chapter in 2 Thessalonians also mentions the coming of the Lord. Listen as I read to you, chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, verses 1 through 10. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that they obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in the saints. Wow! You talk about an important fact to know, it's about the coming of the Lord. Chapter 2, there's a detailed description of this man of sin, this Antichrist, and how he will be revealed and destroyed. And in chapter 3, it talks about how that we're to have the love of God and patiently wait for the coming of Christ. That's why I say this is a major theme in the writings of Paul and in all the New Testament epistles. So now we want to go back to, to chapter 5 of Thessalonians, Chapter 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And remember, we saw the Lord himself shall come, and he's going to catch us up, and we're going to meet him in the clouds, so shall we ever be with the Lord. But in chapter 5, verse 1, it's interesting because you see, we have something that starts chapter five that's an important word. Matter of fact, the great proof that Paul's gonna give why a believer will be separated from unbelievers, he used the most important word in the English language. It's a, it's a sharp contrast. Whenever you ever see this word, you know there's a contrast to what's already been said. And so in chapter five, verse one, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. He comes and he's gonna do this contrast word, this example word. Why would I say that that's the most important word? Well, let me show you what I mean. If I say to you, she's a wonderful cook. she's She uh, uh, has beautiful hair, but she's already married. You see, everything I said good about her before the word but, it's all canceled because I said she's already married, she's taken. Or I might say, this man was a great artist. His colors were, were spectacular, his paintings were good, but he passed away last week. You see, the but is important because it says, Whatever I'm going to say next is more important than the things that I said before. So when you come to chapter 5, it's a distinct division. He says, yes, I told you how that this is the comfort one another. Encourage one another with these things. But, he says, I'm going to show you the proof of how these things come to pass. So when you come to chapter 5, here's what I want us to look at. In this important section, I want you to see... That there's a difference between the you or the ye, and the they and the them. I believe the you is talking about believers, those that are saved. My friend, do you know Christ is your Savior? So when you go to this important section, you're going to find out that he's going to say you or ye. And you know he's talking about those that are believers. But he's going to talk about they or them. These are the ones that are lost. These are the ones that have not come to Christ yet. And in this passage, there's five contrasts. I'll show you what I mean. It says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. When they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But, there's that important word, But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light. And the sons of the day, we are not of the darkness or of the night. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober-minded. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunk, are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For the Lord hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep... In other words, whether we're alive or dead, we shall live together with them. Wherefore, comfort yourselves, edify one another, even as you also do. Isn't that a beautiful contrast? You see, he says, those you that are Christians, you live in the light. But those that are unsafe, they're in darkness. There's a lot of difference. You go back and look at that. Sons of light versus the, the, the people of darkness. Then he talks about some are watching and others are asleep. Wow. Think of the contrast there. Some are sober. The believers were sober and the others, they were drunk. Some are saved and the others are lost. They're going to go into the tribulation and some have salvation and some experience the wrath of God. Do you see what I'm saying? You see, when you look at this, I want you to notice this. This is so important. The contrast he makes so vividly, you that are Christians versus they that are unsaved. And these five contrasts are so vivid, so contrasting, that you can't tangle them up. But here's what I want you to notice. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The idea that the believer does not go through this wrath of God. Think about the wrath of God. Because you see, I'm asked all the time, are you sure that Christ's coming is before the tribulation? There's some who believe that we're in the tribulation. Hmm. There's some that believe the tribulation's already passed. But no, you see, here's why I know that's not true. Have you seen the temple set up and have you seen sacrifice stopped in the temple? No. Have you seen the presence of the Antichrist? No. We see him working behind the scenes, but we don't see him here now. And so I believe that we're before the tribulation but I think the Lord's coming soon. That's why we begin to see earmarks for the tribulation, earmarks for the battle of Armageddon. And so as we look at this idea that God has not appointed us to wrath, why? The wrath is something that takes place in the tribulation. That's what I want to spend my time on because Paul makes a beautiful case for this. And so here's what we say. The tribulation is the wrath of God. It's a horrible time. Now, when you come to the book of Revelation, We've studied on, on many of our b programs, and you can go back and, and look at some of those, like program number 46 and 47, and you'll see a whole plan for, for the rapture of the church pre-trib. But what we find is that the church is caught away in chapter 4. They go to heaven. And as you look at the description of heaven, we see there believers who throw their crowns that they don't get into the rapture, according to the apostle Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says that we all get our crowns and they lay them at the feet of God the Father, and they worship the Son, and the, the Son of God, the Lamb, and then He opens the first seal, and when He does, He invites the Antichrist to come out. So in chapter 6 is of Revelation, that's the beginning of the tribulation. Furthermore, I want you to notice particularly Revelation chapter 6 and verse 15. It says this, And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks fall on us hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb now that comes to pass in revelation chapter six we were raptured in chapter four we sang praises to the lamb in chapter five and now this lamb opens the seal, lets the Antichrist out, and when he comes out, he comes out with vengeance as he unleashes the seven seals. And in the seventh one, then there's seven trumpets. And the seventh trumpet, announces seven bowls poured out of judgment. It's a horrible time. It goes on. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to abide? Who shall be able to stand? Wow. Let me tell you this. I am so glad that the tribulation is the wrath of God, and we're raptured before the tribulation. But let me tell you, my friend, if you've never received Christ, and Christ comes, you're left to go into that tribulation period of time. Our proof doesn't end there. Because in the book that we've been studying, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9-10, it says this, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come." Now there's really two Greek words that are both translated from, but they're very different. One, the word ektero, means from, means to be taken out of. Uh, May I just say this, maybe to be pulled up, like the rapture, like, like the pulling up. And the other one is the word in. It means to be taken us through. So, one says, He saves you as you go through the tribulation. Or does it say, He saves you as He pulls you out of the tribulation. And the word that the Spirit of God used is the one He will take you out. He delivers out of the wrath to come. Not through the wrath, He delivers out of. What a beautiful idea that's presented in God's word. That's why I'm pre-tribbed. Someone said, well, what if you're wrong? You know something? The plan of God is not wrong. My job is to discover the plan of God and the word of God. And I really believe that that's exactly what the Bible is saying. This is not the only passage, it's one of many. May I show you another one? Revelation chapter three, verse 10. At the close of the discussion concerning the seven churches, he says, because I hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. I will keep you, he used the word ekterō out of, not through. He says, I'll take you out of. I'll remove you from it. That was given to the church at Philadelphia. The false church, the seventh church, the church of Laodicea. Notice that that they are the ones that God spews out of his mouth. And guess what? God says, for those that are pretenders, they will experience that wrath. So Christ removes us from or before the tribulation and not through the tribulation. I hope that's a comfort to you because it is to me. And so when we come to this passage, remember, we looked at the contrast. Five things light versus dark. You shouldn't have any trouble telling that drunkenness versus sober. You shouldn't have any trouble telling that asleep versus awake and watching. You shouldn't have any trouble telling that saved versus lost. There's a distinction there. And salvation versus wrath, my friend, God has not appointed us to wrath. But here's what it says. It says in this chapter 5, this wonderful proof given by the Apostle Paul, verse 9, notices he says this, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. You see, it's either or. He gives us salvation or wrath, the choice is yours. He gives us salvation on this side of the rapture. My friend, that's why... Every week, we try to show you that we're on the brink of Jesus coming. Every week, we try to tell you that there's salvation in Jesus Christ, not in our own works, not in keeping the law. We couldn't keep the law if we tried, but that wouldn't save us. What saves us is the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. What saves us is the shed blood of Jesus, His blood of infinite value, wash away my sin and your sin. His blood of infinite value took away infinite sin. And made it so that we can have fellowship with God. We can be children of God. We can be the bride of Christ. And so he says, salvation versus wrath. Not salvation and wrath. Salvation versus wrath. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. But, there's that little word, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice verse 10. Oh, I like this. It says this, that he died for us. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're, we die and buried in the grave and our soul and spirit go to be with God. Are, we're awake when Jesus comes. The apostle Paul thought he was going to be alive. I think I may be alive as old as I am. I'm looking for Jesus to come in my lifetime. He says, you should live together with him. And so he died for us. We should live for him. And then look at this verse. Verse 11. He says, okay, comfort yourselves together. That's what the Bible says. When it comes to the subject of rapture. When it comes to the subject of of a pre-tribulation rapture, he says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as you also do. You see, we're to build up one another. We're to encourage one another. We're we're to to give each other a blessed hope. And that's why Thessalonians chapter 4 ends this way. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Chapter 5, he says, all right. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. My friend, there's no better comfort in this life than to know that you're ready if Jesus comes because he's coming soon. And I believe today you can have that comfort. I, I know there are people because they write to us by, by email or sometimes by messages. And, and they need encouragement. We're to encourage one another. We're to build up one another. I believe that talking of the coming of Christ and the plan of God the mysteries of God, the the whole plan of God that he's had from the virgin birth all the way to identifying the antichrist to how he will have a whole new creation, a whole new world. What a plan God has. Let me tell you, that's a comfort. You see, do you have that comfort today? Would you like to have that comfort today? That comfort comes in the person of Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with him. It's your choice. You get to choose salvation or wrath. You get to choose whether to live for Him or not. You get to choose whether you want to be comforted and built up or not. Today, my friend, could I invite you to do this? To admit to God that you're a sinner. Repent of your sin. Turn from your sin. Understand that it offends a holy God. Number two, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life that the shed blood, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is shed blood for you. That was sufficient to put away your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world if we would accept him, admit, acknowledge, accept. Have you ever personally said, Lord Jesus, I take you to be my Savior. I take you and your death on the cross to put away my sins, to cleanse my sins with your precious blood. And Lord Jesus, I own you as my Savior. Do that now. And you'll be a child of God. Do that now and you'll have salvation and not wrath. Comfort one another. The hope of the believer, the comfort of the believer, we find him in God's word. I invite you to see Jesus, to receive him today, that you'll have that comfort and that hope. Father, we thank you for the word of God. What a hope it is, what a comfort it is. And, Father, we thank you for the way that we can, we can look at these words, we can look at these phrases, we can look at these ideas, and we can see that, that you've designed us to escape the wrath, because the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus on the cross for our sins. And so, Father, we don't have to experience that wrath. Jesus paid the debt for us. Father, I pray today there will be some that will accept him, and, Father, for others that they will live for him, because we believe that Jesus is coming soon. Thank you for that hope. Thank you for the comfort that we have in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.